Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next 30 minutes, I'd like to ask you to stay tuned. Please stay with me because it's 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, some education, and you will find we never have any manipulation. That's right. We don't sell things. We don't have anything for you to join. We're not trying to collect anything. We're just here to give you information, information that will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if you want to orient and adjust to the plan and you have the freedom, you have the privacy to do that. But uh, this show, The Flot Line, if this is your first time to hear it, FLOT, F-L-O-T, is a military acronym for the forward line of troops. What we're trying to do on this radio show is establish to you, teach you, that there is an invisible FLOT line you can deploy in the thinking part of your soul, in the mentality of your soul. This invisible FLOT line is made up of 10 unique problem-solving devices Found in the Bible, it's nothing new, it's not some recent discovery. These are age-old biblical doctrines, but when we learn them and use them, or in other words, deploy them, when we deploy them or use them, then we can stop the outside source of adversity from becoming the inside source of stress. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we do not have to have stress-filled lives. There are ways to live using these unique problem-solving devices that can eliminate worry, which is a sin, that can eliminate fear, which is a sin, that can eliminate bitterness and hostility, which are sins. So you see, so much of our stress is nothing but mental attitude sins, especially when we have a little pity party for ourselves. We've all done that also. That's nothing but a sin. Mental attitude sin. Remember, sins come in three categories. Something you think definitely can be a sin. And then obviously something you say and, without a doubt, something you do. But something you think is where a lot of sins occur in the life of believers. You know, this show doesn't have a huge following. We, we're not Glenn Beck. You know, we're not Rush Limbaugh. This is simply Rick Hughes. I'm an evangelist, and we've had this radio show now on the air for over five years. But in this show, we have some faithful followers that listen and learn the Word of God. If you're interested in learning the Word of God and making the application of what you learn into your life, then you're tuned into the right place because you're going to hear accurate information, not useless human speculation. And that information is always based on what the Bible says. The inerrant scriptures, the word of God. I am a literalist. I do take the Bible literally. I do not think the passages in the Bible are actually alluding to something else. I I believe they're literal, just what they say. And I believe when the Bible teaches us these things that we're studying, that we can apply them into our life and grow in grace. I know the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to grow in the grace and the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that means that in my spiritual life, I'm supposed to grow. I'm already growing in my physical life. I'm aging, but spiritually, am I growing? And that's a question for you. Are you growing spiritually? Are you being fed spiritually? 
Are you learning something when you go to church and not just singing and not just worshiping as they call it today, but are you learning something? Or are you just simply getting a group of cliches, a new cliche every Sunday morning or every Wednesday night? Let the Lord do it, brother. That's a cliche. Turn it over to Jesus, brother. That's a cliche. The question is, what do these things mean and how do these things work? And that's what does not happen today is the mechanics of the Christian life are seldom taught so that we go through life rededicating ourselves to the Lord, whatever that might be and however that might occur, and rededicating and rededicating and doing the same sins over and over and over again. Is there a way to break that vicious cycle of failure? And is there a way to advance in your spiritual life so that you're not ashamed or embarrassed of your failures and looking at yourself and saying, man, what a jerk I am. Look what I've done today, and I'm supposed to be a Christian. Well, the answer is yes. And if you'll stick with me, if you'll hang with me and listen to these radio shows, even maybe you might want to order our book that we have on Christian problem solving. It deals with these 10 unique problem-solving devices, and it is a free book. I'll be more than happy to send it to you without charge or obligation. All you have to do is simply contact us. That's www.rickhughesministries.org. That's right, rickhughesministries, that's in the plural, .org. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. Cropwell is spelled C-R-O-P-W-E-L-L, Cropwell, Alabama. Our zip code here is 35054. Cropwell, Alabama is a suburb outside of Birmingham, between Birmingham and Atlanta, very close to the famous racetrack called Talladega. We live here in an area that's a residential area near a big lake. And so we're not in the big city. We're kind of out in the country. But thanks to the Internet and thanks to the marvel of electronics, we're able to record these radio shows and make them available for you. If you've listened the last few weeks, we've been talking about the difference between those who seek to know truth and those who simply want to take a little peek at the truth. We've called it the difference between seekers and peepers. A seeker is one who has a hunger and a desire to learn and grow. And a peak, well, that's the person who just wants to take a little peep at the spiritual life. He's a peeper, like that peeping Tom. He's going to take a little quick peep, and then he's going to go away. He's not going to stick it out for the long run. If you're a seeker, if you want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if you want to represent Christ by your life and represent Christ in your life, then you're listening to the right show that will teach you how to do that. We have been studying 1 Peter 2.21, and in that passage, Peter wrote these words, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now, what we do in this show, we break these verses down for you sometime and give you the original manuscripts. 
We do it under what's called the ICE technique, I-C-E. You know, if you get a drink in the South, you want your Coca-Cola or your Pepsi or your 7-Up or whatever you're drinking or your tea, you want it over ice. You want ice with it. Now, you go to other states up north, and they don't know what that is. But here, I don't drink a soda without ice or tea without ice. Well, how do you get ice out of the Bible? I stands for isagogics. C stands for categories, and E stands for exegesis. Isagogics, categories, exegesis. Now, let me back up. Isagogics, categories, exegesis. Isagogics, what does the word mean, and when it was used 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, what did it mean then? Categories? Well, how many categories are in that verse? Category of God, category of love, category of Christ, like God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son so we could study God, the world, the son. See, there are all these different categories in that verse. And exegesis, that means to break the verse down word by word, line by line. So we try to do that on this radio show to give you this information on ice, It means to give you the words and their correct meaning over 2,000 years ago, develop the categories, and exegete the verses for you. That's what we try to do. Now, in this passage, in 1 Peter 2.21, Peter says, For to this you were called. And the verb called, that is a verb, and it's pronounced kaleo. And its root meaning means you have a summons or you have an invitation. So our Lord left us an invitation to follow him. You were called to follow him. Listen to the passage again. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. So I have an invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ to follow in his footsteps. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you got to know that he had an internal system of virtue. He had something that was unique in his humanity. It's called the protocol plan of God, the internal system of virtue in the life of Christ. Now, that can be yours also. He operated under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and he operated in the power of the Word of God. In his humanity, those two things sustained him. And they can be yours as well. You are indwelled by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and you have the Bible, you have the Word of God to be a guide. When our Lord was tempted, he used the Word of God. When our Lord was tested, he depended on the Holy Spirit to sustain him. His internal system of virtue, called the protocol plan of God, has been passed on to us. And these ten unique problem-solving devices are indeed the protocol plan of God. And when I say protocol, this means that a right thing has to be done in a right way. You can't just, you can't hot dog the Christian life. A lot of athletes try to be hot dogs. They they don't want to follow the instruction of the coach. They want to do it their way. And usually the athlete like that winds up sitting on the bench. I don't care what his talents are because he's not a team player. God doesn't allow hot dogs either expects you to follow his rules. For example, prayer. It's never, ever wrong to pray. 
but there are right ways and wrong ways to pray. And if you're praying the wrong way, then your prayer will not be answered. It will not go any higher than the ceiling. And the reason is you did not follow protocol. You did a right thing, prayer, but you did it in the wrong way. And what does that mean? Well, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There you go. Right thing, wrong way. See what I'm saying? So there is this system of protocol. Our Lord established it. He laid it down. And when you study the life of Christ, when you look at our Savior, you're looking into a window of opportunity because you can see in history how he lived, how he handled adversity, how he handled temptation, how he handled loneliness and desertion. And you can see how you can handle it as well. Now, what did Peter say? Go back to a verse, 1 Peter 2.21. For to this you were called because, and there is a conjunction, the conjunction because, and now you're going to see the reason that you were called. Because Christ also suffered, Peter said. Christos kai, and then pasco. Christ also suffered. Now, Pasco means to experience painful sensations. The Pasco lamb, the lamb of the Passover, the Pasco lamb. I have a, some friends named Pasco, and their family crest is the Lamb of God. And Jesus, our Lord, was the Lamb. And this Pasco, he suffered. And this, this it's just not physical pain. It can be deep emotional hurt as well. I mean, think about this. The ones that he came to deliver, the ones that he came to deliver, delivered him to the Roman court to be executed. The ones that he trusted sold him out. The ones that he lived with abandoned him under pressure as he hung on the cross. Did you know that? Do you remember those words in Matthew 27, verse 46 in it says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. In other words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even the Father, in those three hours of darkness on the cross, as the justice of God judged Christ in our place, even the Father turned away. And Jesus, our Lord, screamed, why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't scream at Peter for denying him. He didn't scream at Judas for selling it out for 30 pieces of silver. But he screamed on that cross, My God, why have you forsaken me? All of my sin, all of your sin, was dumped on him. And the Bible says, He that knew no sin was made sin for us. Does that sound easy? you think being saved is easy? Well, it is for you and I, because the price has been paid. He paid it. He purchased us out of the slave market of sin. And through faith in him and the finished work that he did on the cross for us, we're redeemed. And that's why the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift from God and not of works, lest someone should brag about it. Now, if, if, if you could do it yourself, 
<laughs> We'd never hear the end of it. But here is our Lord Jesus Christ forsaken by his disciples, forsaken by his friends, and now even the Father turns away. The question that I need to ask you is what will you do when your own family sells you out? When your own family will abandon you and does not believe in you and maybe might even turn you in someday to the governing authorities because you're a Christian. You think, well, that, that that could never happen in America. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's closer than you think. In Matthew 5:44, I say unto you, love your enemies and bless the ones that curse you and do good unto them that hate you and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. And whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. What our Lord is teaching there is a phenomenal problem-solving device called impersonal love. The only way that you could bless someone who cursed you is to use impersonal love. It is a tremendous problem-solving device. And we've taught it on this radio show many, many, many times. It's recorded in our book, Christian Problem-Solving. There is tremendous information available on Bible study tapes about this that I can refer you to. And not from me, from the man who taught it to me. This information is invaluable about how you love those who sell you out. How you love those that curse you. How you love the ones that hate you. And how you pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. They may even be a politician that you don't particularly like. Are you to pray for them? According to the Bible, you are. Remember what our Lord said in Luke twelve fifty one: Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. No, he said, I can guarantee that I came to bring division. So how do we operate in an arena of contention called the earth? How do we operate here without some internal system of virtue? We cannot do that. Only when we have that internal system of virtue, the same system that our Lord functioned in in the devil's world, then we can operate just as he did. You know, our Lord forewarned his disciples about his destiny. In Matthew sixteen twenty one, he says this, From this time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Now Peter said he suffered and he left us an example. Remember our verse we're studying now? Don't, don't lose sight of that verse. He left us an example. Listen to 1 Peter 2.21. For to you, you were called. For to this you were called. You were called. Remember the word? Kaleo. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. What kind of example did he leave us? Well, it's an interesting word. Hupolymphano is the Greek word leaving us an example. And the word for example is hupogramas. Two different Greek words. Hupolymphano and hupogramas. Leaving us an example. Now let's deal with the word leaving. 
His very life, his very testimony that's recorded in the Bible is what he left you. It's all there for you in the scriptures. Everything he did in those three years of his earthly ministry, it's all recorded for you. And it is an example. Now, this word hupogramas is the English word example. And we call this in the Greek a hapax legomena. Hapax legomena. You may say, what is that? Well, it means that this is the only place in all of the Bible that this word is used. It's only used one time and never again. So it's not like the word believe or the word pray or, or the word whatever, resurrection, that's used many times. This word is only used once. This noun is only used one time in the Greek New Testament, and it means he left you a pattern. It comes from the word hupographo which literally means hupo, preposition, meaning under, and grapho, the verb, meaning to write. So if you put it into context, hupographo is an aid given to a beginning student who learns to write the letters of the alphabet. It's a template, an alphabetical template. This was the way that they learned to write. They had a a style that they used to copy a text or even a work of art, you did it when you were a child and you traced a picture. And you took some paper you could see through and you laid it over a picture and you traced it, a tracing. That's what this word is. The life of our Lord is our pattern or our template. This is very important that you understand this. A template. Our Lord's life is a template. When we put on this template, it cuts us into the exact same mold or the exact same image of Christ. If we're going to replicate what he thought and how he lived, we must have this template. And Romans 12:2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you put on the template, your mind will be renewed. You will have no more pity parties, no more self-justification, no more unrealistic self-image. You will have an attitude change, and you will prove, the Bible goes on to say in Romans 12, 2, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I use a tool and die maker's analogy here, I have friends that are tool and die makers. Maybe one of them's listening today. It took our Lord 33 years to produce and refine this template. And now he's passed it on to us. So when we live the spiritual life, when we adhere to the protocol plan of God, we are putting on the template. And the template cuts us into the very image of Jesus Christ. It produces a perfect fit every time. If you mess up the template then the results of reproduction will be distorted. That's what organized religion does. It, it, it distorts the template to where what the template reproduces is not exactly the same thing. Now notice again, 1 Peter 2.21, that you should follow the Aristactus subjunctive of an interesting word, ep paco lefeo. And this means this. It's a subjunctive mood. It means this. Ep 
Paco Lefeo. It means maybe you will and maybe you won't. It's your choice. You have to use your volition. You may or you may not choose to follow the example that he left you. What kind of example is it? It's an example of suffering. It's an example of being misunderstood. It's an example of being abandoned and deserted and persecuted. And you may not want to follow that. You may find that a bit too challenging for you. Are there any mandates in the scripture where Jesus gives you directions to follow him like this? There sure are. I mean, I wouldn't be telling you this if I couldn't verify it with scripture, would I? In Matthew 11:28, you're going to find an interesting word pronounced dute. In the original language of the New Testament, dute, D-E-U-T-E. In the Greek, dute. In the English, you have a simple word, come. Come. And it's an imperative. It's not a request. This is a command from your commander-in-chief. Come. By the way, this same word is used in Matthew 4.19. Dute. But instead of being translated come, it's translated follow. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. It's not a request. It is the intent of our commander, our Savior, that we come and follow him. Why? (laughs) Well, he's our guide. When we're walking down the lanes of life, he's the guide. You know he's gone before you. You know he's already marked the trail, and you know you can follow his path that he laid out, or you can veer off into the minefields of life. It's your choice. But if I were walking through the woods at night, I would prefer to follow someone in front of me with a light that knew where he was going rather than wandering off into the swamp. Did you know every time you study the word of God, you're Showing up to fulfill this mandate. You're come, come, follow. That's it. Dute. You're learning about him and how he did it. Anytime your pastor teaches you something about the life of Christ, then he is identifying the markers that Jesus our Lord left for you. Markers of where not to go and what not to do. Understand? He was here before us. He took the point. Before us, in a military analogy, walking the point, he identified the minefields of religion and politics and trusted friends and satanic temptation. And never forget he went it alone. And you must do that also. I am telling you, your friends may desert you. For sure, religion will curse you. And politics will probably imprison you. Even your family may reject you. But your heavenly Father will never turn his back on you. In Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. And in Proverbs 15.21, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his doing. Isn't that a lot to think about this morning? Come, follow And next week you're going to find out that the Lord Jesus Christ has something he wants you to strap on 
It is a template called the Zugas prescription or a yoke. Stay tuned. You'll learn a lot more. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.